0: You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to Isaiah chapter 64. Isaiah chapter 64: Isaiah is a prophet of God, Old Testament prophet of God, and, and the people of Israel, uh, who he is leading, they're in a bad way. They're in a bad place spiritually, they're in a bad place physically. And, and Isaiah, of the pastor, if you will, of the people of Israel, is crying out to God, asking God to come down. Basically, he is praying, Isaiah is praying for a revival for the nation of Israel. And I believe that we can look at this prayer of Isaiah and we can grow and we can know what it's like to to cry out to God for revival. Look at what Isaiah says. In Isaiah chapter 64, he says, if you, speaking to God, if you would tear the heavens open, and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence. Listen, do you think that that, that would get people's attention if, if the heavens were to be opened up and God come down and the mountains begin to tremble and begin to shake? Absolutely, it would get people's attention and they would recognize that God is God. And that's what, that's what Isaiah is praying for just as the fire kindles brushwood and fire boils water to make your name known to your enemy so that the nations will tremble at your presence isaiah's call is it's crying out to god god come and make your presence known among us now listen some of this is a little bit hard to understand just in the language but listen he is crying out for his people and we can We can cry out to God. We can take this as as an outline, if you will. We can cry out to God and we can ask God to make His presence known among us. And I pray that you will do that. Verse 3, when you did awesome works that we did not expect, you who come down and the mountains quaked at your presence. From ancient times, no one has heard. No one has listened. No eye has seen any God except you who acts on behalf of the One who waits for Him. You welcome the One who joyfully does what is right. They remember you in your ways. But we have sinned. And you were angry. How can we be saved if we remain in our sins? All of us have become like something unclean. And all our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. No one calls on your name, striving to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and made us melt because of our iniquity. Because of our sin, we, we don't see you. Your, your face is hidden from us. That's what it seems like to Isaiah and to all the people of Israel. But look at verse 8. Here's the hinge. Yet. Yet, Lord, You are our Father. We are the clay and You are our potter. We are all the work of Your hands. Lord, do not be terribly angry or remember our iniquity forever. Please look, all, please look. all of us are Your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and beautiful temple where our fathers praised You has been burned down. And all that was dear to us lies in ruins. Lord, here's His request. Lord, after all this... Will you restrain yourself? Here's Isaiah crying out to God Oh, God, make your presence known among me. Make your presence known among our people of Israel. God, and after all of this destruction, will you restrain yourself? Will you keep silent and afflict us severely? God, I thank you for your word.
1: God, would you help us to see, number one, The need for revival in our own lives. God, would you create a hunger for revival in our own lives? God, would you help us to see it is not, it is not up to to me, the pastor.
0: whether or not the person in the pew can receive revival like it was here with Isaiah. All of us individually, brothers and sisters in Christ, children of God, we can cry out to You. You have invited us, God, into Your presence to pray to You so we can come to You as Isaiah did and cry out and ask You to send revival on each one of us individually. God, we thank You. Thank You for Your Word. It's in Your Son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you you agree with me when I make this statement? That our families need revival. Individually. You might be a family of one. That is a family. You need revival. Our church needs revival. This nation and the world needs revival. Listen, as powerful as the U.S. Army is, it cannot force revival. The Dow Jones, as high as it can possibly go, it cannot bring revival. It doesn't matter who is in the White House, a revival is not dependent on the person sitting in the White House. Revival is the sovereign work of Almighty God. Let me say that again. Revival is a sovereign work of Almighty God. There is nothing that has to happen outside of us for us to experience revival. It's not that we're waiting on, on, on the United States. It's not for we're waiting on a political party. It's not that we're waiting on a financial situation to turn around. It's not that we're waiting on a family member to get things straight. Revival can come to each one of us individually. Revival is the sovereign work of an Almighty God. And here we are in Isaiah chapter 64. God's people had been carried into captivity. God's work, His temples, everything that people would recognize as a place to worship God was in despair. The people were discouraged. Their walk with God was somewhat less enthusiastic. A lot like Christians today. Am I right? It sounds very familiar to us today. The church has been carried into captivity by the world, by the flesh and the devil. Oftentimes, we have invited it in. Christians are discouraged. There are many who have no hope for a revival. They look at this world, they watch the news, and they go, there's no way that God would send revival on this nation because of where we are at. Many have no hope for a revival. They did not even really believe that revival is possible. But listen, I want to tell you, revival is not only possible, it is inevitable when God's people get right with God. A revival is inevitable when God's people get right with God. So that kind of begs the question, why is there no revival? Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. It's not because liberalism in the churches. Revival hasn't come because of disunity among God's people. Revival hasn't come because we've been worldly and compromised. God isn't holding back revival because Super Bowl halftime shows have become overly sexualized. It's not because of immigration problems. Listen, if we get all of these things right, if we get all of our ducks in a row, if, uh, so to speak, it still would not bring revival. These aren't the reasons for no revival. They are the result of no revival. Listen, we we can't be looking out there. We can't look past the stained glass windows and say, man, when they get everything right, then revival can happen inside of here. No, listen, God is saying this. All those that are inside the stained glass windows, when they get right with Me, then I can pour out revival. Then we'll be able to see things in the nation begin to turn around. So what is revival? We've, We've looked at, yes, we need it briefly looked at why we aren't experiencing revival. So what is revival? Listen, revival is when God comes down. That's what Isaiah is praying for. God, would You make Your presence known among us. Here's here's a really good definition of revival. Revival is a meeting with Almighty God. Revival is a meeting with God's children, individually or corporately, with God. That's what revival is. Listen to what Isaiah is praying for. This is exactly what he's praying for. If only You, Almighty God, would tear the heavens. I, I, I remember it as in, my, in the NIV, I believe it says, would rend the heavens and come down. Would the skies open up and God, You come down upon us so that the mountains would quake at Your presence. Listen, most of us when we pray, we seek God to do something. We ask God to do something for our family. We ask God to do something for our church. We ask God to do something for our nation. We ask God to do something for a neighbor. We ask God to do something as there is a time and place for us to ask God to do something. But listen, when we're seeking God's hand, oftentimes we aren't seeking His face. If our prayers is constantly seeking His hand, then oftentimes we aren't seeking His face. There is a time to seek the hand of God. There's a time to ask and request of God to help us through different things. But listen, there is also a time that we seek the holy face of God.
1: Listen, our hearts need to yearn for God. You should be saying,
0: "Oh God. Make your presence known in my life. God, would you come down in my life? Oh, listen, God loves to come down. God walked with Adam from the very beginning. God walked with Adam and Eve. The Garden of Eden. He came down and He spoke to Abraham. He came down and He spoke to Moses in a burning bush. God came down and He spoke through prophets all throughout the Old Testament, through, through His Word, through different miracles. God came down. God stepped out of heaven and He came to clothed Himself in flesh and He came down. And He was born a virgin named Mary. Oh, listen, God loves to come down at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came down and He baptized this little, this little baby church with incredible power. And one day, and I believe one day very soon, Jesus Christ is going to come down for His second coming. God loves to come down. If you study church history, and modern history anyways, you will find from time to time and place to place that God has come down and revival has been poured out. Listen, I want God to come down upon me. I want God to come down on our church. I'm just afraid that many of us don't believe this is possible. Listen, again, don't get the idea that America has to be changed before we can have revival. You can have revival. Independent of what happens anywhere else. Independent of what happens inside this church. You individually can have revival. You can have personal revival. You can have revival in your Sunday school class. Oh, listen, what would happen if a Sunday school class was to have corporate revival in that Sunday school class? You can have it in your Sunday school class. Students, you can have it in your classroom. You can have it among your friends. You can have it in your place of work where you spend your free time. You can have revival. You can have revival whenever and wherever you can be a one-person revival. Why is that? Because revival is is a meeting with an Almighty God. When God's children and
1: God meet, there is a revival. So how do we have it?
0: Let me give you a few points. Number one, the presence that produces revival is God Himself. This is why reading Scripture, I believe, is so important. God reveals Himself through the Scriptures. In the beginning, God created. God is a Creator. Right? I mean, we, we all throughout Scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, it is, it is revealing who God is—the presence that produces revival—is God Himself. So that's why we have been asking corporately as a church: let's 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 saturate ourselves with God's Word. Listen, when God comes down, things will happen. This is what we see. This is what Isaiah's or uh, yeah, is what Isaiah seven? Uh, Isaiah is saying. Look again in verse one. To, to the first part of verse 2. So that the mountains would quake at your presence. If only you would, hear, would tear the heavens open and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. Just as fire kindles brushwood and fire boils water. He's just giving some examples of, of what happens when God, when God comes. Listen, mountains will melt. And what does that mean to us? Listen, mountains of pride, will melt Mountains of, of arrogance will, will melt, mountains of self-sufficiency will melt, mountains of idolatry will melt, Mountains of indifference will melt. There are many Christians who are just indifferent, just going through the motions of life. And listen when God comes down, when we saturate ourselves with god's word, when we spend time in god's presence through prayer, and we are seeking the very face of God, listen, mountains of indifference will melt. There will be a hunger and a love for God, maybe you've never. Ever had. And you can't get enough. This mountain of indifference will melt. Mountains of sexual sin will melt. Mountains of, of alcohol and drug abuse will mountain will melt. Obstacles to God's work will melt away.
1: That's what Isaiah is praying for. Listen, nothing
0: can stop the revival fire of Almighty God. I believe that we insult God by saying, God there's there's just too many mountains in my life. The scars are too deep, God. The habits have been just too long. The mountains are too big. There's too many things have against us. Listen, we insult God. We insult his authority, we insult his power, we insult his magnificence. When we say things like that, listen, when He comes down, the mountains that are insurmountable in our life will melt. They are insurmountable to us, but they're not insurmountable to the One who created the mountains. Listen, things will happen. Mountains will melt. Sinners will shake. Look at the last part of verse 2. To make Your name known to Your enemies so that the nations will tremble at Your presence. When You did awesome works that we did not expect, You came down the mountains, quaked at Your presence. Listen, sinners will shake. When the law sees something they can't explain, Holy Spirit conviction falls on sinners, begin to shake. Oh, listen, man, when the Holy Spirit falls on somebody, there is a conviction of sin that they didn't even recognize was sin. There's a brokenness over sin and there is a willingness to ask God to forgive. There's a repentance. God comes down in our life. Listen, mountains will melt, sinners will shake, and the righteous will rejoice. Look at verse 4. From ancient times, No one has heard. No one has listened. No eye has seen any God except you who acts on behalf of the One who waits for Him. Verse 5, You welcome the One who joyfully does what is right. They remember you in your ways. Listen, God wants to meet with you daily. Oh God, listen, God didn't want to just meet with you at the moment of salvation. God wants to meet with you daily. God is not waiting to get to know you when you come to spend eternity with Him in heaven. God longs to meet with you daily. God wants to come down in your life. And when He does, your walk with Him will not be a chore. Your your hunger and your desire to spend time in God's house with God's people will not be a bore. God's people will have joy, unspeakable, full of glory. Oh, and listen, the righteous will rejoice. Oh, I long to see that in my life. I long to see that in every single one of your lives as well. I long to see that in our, in our church. I long to see that in our community. I, love to, I long to see that in the surrounding communities that, uh, that make up this area. I want God's people to daily meet with Him so they'll know His incredible joy. Listen, we are a miserable bunch of people if our joy is dependent on what we read on the newspaper or what we see in the news. We're a miserable group of people if our joy is dependent on what happens at work or what happens at school. Listen, when we daily meet with God, the One who created us, the One that longs to be with us, the One who is sustaining us in our faith. Listen, no matter what happens in our
1: life, there is joy. Unspeakable, incredible joy.
0: So, what stands in the way of this outpouring? I am so glad you asked. (laughs) I could... See little bubbles popping up over your heads. Like, well, okay, well, then what's standing in the way of God pouring Himself out on us? Here's a couple of points. The problems that prevent revival. The first is this we're corrupted by our sin. Our sin blocks the outpouring of God in our life. Look at verse 6. We're corrupted by our sins. Look at verse 6. All of us have become like something unclean. And all our righteous acts are like polluted garments. Listen to what he's saying. Our righteous, not our unrighteous. Our righteous acts are like polluted garments. All of us wither like a leaf and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. We, we dress ourselves in self-righteousness. Think, think about the, the silliness of this. We, we dress ourselves in self-righteousness. Oftentimes, we come to a group, a body of believers, people who love God, who love us, and we dress ourselves in unrighteousness. We cover up our hurts. We cover up our scars. We cover up our disappointments. And look at what the Scripture says about what we are using to cover up.
1: It's a filthy rag. Look at it. And all of our righteous acts are like a polluted garment.
0: We try to cover ourselves with the very thing that defiles and condemns us. Our righteousness. Our righteousness in God's sight is a polluted garment.
1: A soiled garment.
0: And yet, that's what we're covering ourselves up in in, and acting like everything is okay. Look at what it says in verse 6. And all of us wither like a leaf. You know when leaves in season they're beautiful. So a little bit of wind, not panhandle wind, like I'm not sure wind, just a little bit of wind, you know, like they make the noise, rustling of the leaves and the trees. And then fall comes and those beautiful green leaves begin to change colors and they turn brown, turn yellow, brown, fade,
1: fall. On the trees, they
0: look really good. But on the ground, they're a nuisance. When the wind comes, that which at one time looked really good, now is laying on the ground and it is a nuisance. Often I have seen times, often I have been there myself where I've covered myself in self-righteousness and what Scripture calls filthy polluted rags and, and we, we look good. We, we, everything is going well. We walk around other brothers sisters of Christ. How's things going? Great, great. How's, how's life? Busy. Everything is going great. And we cover ourselves in these filthy rags, but let the wind blow. And what happens? Let the season change a
1: little bit. Let some trials
0: come in line. Let there be a financial reversal. Let them have some family problems. Let some difficult come. difficulties come in their life and what happens? And
1: they're blown away. So we're corrupted by our sin. And oftentimes, we're just covering it up. Pretending like there is no sin. Which leads to the next point. We've grown complacent with our sin.
0: We've grown complacent with our sin. There's, we, 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 we're, in a, we're in a day where there's, there's no more embarrassment. There's very little shame over that which breaks the very heart of God. We've grown complacent. We look at a world and we go, man, it's, I'm not as bad as they are. And we've just grown complacent with our own sin. Look at what it says in verse 7. No one calls on your name, striving to take hold of you. Here's what Isaiah, I don't know if he's using hyperbole here, I kind of think so, but of all of the nation of Israel, he's crying out to God, God, would you make your presence known? No one, all of the nation of Israel, is calling out your name. They have grown complacent with just living life independent of their creator listen have you stirred yourself up to take hold of god or are you simply a sunday morning bench warmer believing that by attending church you're doing you're somehow doing god favor listen is there a yearning is there a burning for the presence of God longing for revival in your heart. Listen, if you will humble yourself and cry out to God, God will send revival. And remember, when the presence of God comes, there is a conviction of sin that we have grown comfortable with, we have grown complacent with, that we will be broken over and we can repent and be cleansed from that which we didn't even know we were being soiled by. I love this quote. This, I want to share this quote. I've been, Kim and I've been listening to this audiobook on, on these great Christian men and women of our past. And found this quote by R. A. Tori, a, a great pastor, theologian of the, the early 20th century. Listen to what he says. It's R.A. Tori. I have a theory that there is not a church, a chapel, or a mission on earth where you cannot have revival provided there is, li- there is a little nucleus of faithful people who will hold on to God until He comes down. First, let a few Christian, they're Christians, they're n- there need not be many, get thoroughly right with God themselves. This is the prime essential. If this is not done, the rest, I'm sorry to say, cannot be done and it will come to nothing. Second, let them bind themselves together to pray for revival until God opens the heavens and comes down. Third, let them put themselves at the disposal of God to use them as He sees fit in winning others to Christ. Three points, that's all. This is sure to bring revival in any church or community. I have given this prescription around the world like a doctor doling out medicine. These three things. If you will do these three things. I have given these prescriptions out, this prescription around the world. It has been taken by many churches and by many communities. And in no instance has it ever failed. And it cannot. Get right with God. Band together in prayer. Put yourself at God's disposal. Say, God, my yes is on the table however you would choose to use me, wherever you would send me to go, whatever you would want me to do, my yes is on the table. This is the message of Isaiah chapter 64.
1: You say, well, that just seems too simple. Get right with God. Get a few brothers and let's pray. Tell God we're at His disposal. It's true. It is simple. The problem is the church is
0: complacent. I don't want to use hyperbole as Isaiah does and say there is no one crying out to God. But there are many. There are many who go
1: through a weeks and months and never cry out for the face of God. Oh, may we do what Dr. Tory says and get right with God individually. If we don't, one day we'll wish we had.
0: So how can we have revival? How do we seek God's face? It's through prayer. There's a prayer that precedes revival. Look at verse 8 real quickly. Yet, Lord, You are our... Watch how it shifts. He shifts with this word yet. Yet, Lord, You are our Father. We are the clay. And You are our potter. We all are the work of Your hands. We must believe that God is God. Recognize the sovereignty of God. God doesn't want a place in our life God doesn't want a God doesn't even want a a prominent place in our life God wants the preeminent place in our life he wants the preeminent place in our schedule he wants the preeminent place in our priorities not just a place he demands and he deserves this preeminence Lord you are sovereign you are the potter I am the clay. Mold me and make me after Your will. Here's what we're saying by praying that. You are King. You are the Lord of my life. Prayer that precedes revival will recognize God's sovereignty. Number two, will remember God's mercy. Look at verse 9. Lord, do not be terribly angry or remember our iniquity forever. Please look. All of us are Your people. Pray this. Oh God. We are Your people. Have mercy on us. Don't keep your anger forever. Lord, we need You. We want You. We must have You. Listen, God wants to extend mercy. God wants to extend mercy. Listen, God God wants to come down on us. God wants to forgive us. He would much rather forgive sin than punish sin. Write this statement down. God would much rather forgive sin than punish sin, but God cannot put away our sin by forgiving it unless we put it away by forsaking it. Let me say that again. God would much rather forgive sin than punish it. But God cannot put away our sin by forgiving it unless we put it away
1: by forsaking it. The problem is so often we're unwilling to repent. We want God's mercy, but prayer without repentance
0: it is a religious smokescreen. It's not going to do anything. Listen, do you want to seek God's glory? You want to see God's glory in your life? You want to see God pour out his glory on your life? Seek His presence. Ask God for forgiveness. Recognize His
1: sovereignty. And remember God's mercy. That's our, that's, our, that's our charge. This week.
0: Get into God's word. Spend time with God in prayer. Ask Him for His hand in your life. But don't stop there. Ask Him for His face. Praise Him for who He is. Remember His mercy. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.